today, I, I, I want you to see that I did not pick this at this time. I believe the Holy Spirit probably picked this at this time uh, because what we're going to talk about is going to tie into something that's close to our heart as a church, and that's going to be the idea of small groups. Okay, this is actually a super long announcement for what is happening behind the scenes in our small groups. Is our small groups is um, it's been as healthy as it's ever been. It's been growing. Uh, we've had Ben and Kayla kind of taking over the responsibility of leading that, which has been a huge blessing. Thank you guys, and um, it's been growing ever since. And I've been very grateful for that. But there's still people out there that aren't involved in a small group, and I'm. You don't have to give me the excuse why you're not in it right now, which, and I don't mean to say that like, you have an excuse. Like, I get it. Some people just can't do it. But um, we're, we're transitioning into a new quarter coming up mid to late January. New groups will be starting up. And with that, we're going to be starting up uh, a partnership with a thing called Right Now Media that does online curriculum. And so um, there's, if you've ever thought about, I want to lead a small group, but I don't know if I have the time to study or do the homework or, or even prepare to teach a, a study, um, lots of those uh, questions or, or concerns would be answered by this particular tool that we're going to be using. Uh, it might be like a short 20-minute video or a leader guide or any sort of those things. There will be more information on that coming. But all that to say... It's going to make sense at the end of this why I went through that whole thing. We're going to see the importance of the connection of the people of God in our study this morning. And it's a new year, so what, we, what happens is at this kind of time, most people start thinking big picture, like, hey, I went through a year, and you know, maybe you think back on your year, and you're like, hey, I did everything I wanted to, or maybe you didn't do everything you wanted to, or maybe you didn't even get close. And, and so people start doing this like, hey, I want to be a better person in 2022 than I was in 2021, which is great. Good for you. And, and there's kind of two ways that we can be better people. In fact, Jesus addressed it. Uh, he told a parable, uh, a story about two sons. Okay, now you probably know that story as the story of the prodigal son, but if you were here when we went through that story, we actually read it, and it doesn't say Jesus told a story about the prodigal son. No, it says Jesus told a story about two sons. There were two sons, and one of the sons wandered off into crazy amounts of sin and just wasted his life doing crazy amounts of sin and then came back to his dad and his dad was like oh I missed you I'm so glad you're back and the other son stayed with his dad and was just a good little boy for the whole time he was there and then when his younger brother came back who had wasted his life and destroyed his life with all sorts of sin he was mad and he's like I can't believe you're nice to that guy he, he ruined our name, he wasted our money, he destroyed his life doing sinful stuff, drinking, smoking, and cursing, and now you're just going to let him waltz back in here, throw a party for him like it's the greatest day ever. When he made his own bed, let him lie in it. And, and the message was, there's two ways that you can really get sideways in this thing. You can go down the, hey, I never have any self-control. I sin. I don't confess my sin. I just keep sinning. I try to hide it. I think that's the, the answer to meaningful life. That's a way to get way off and destroy your life. Or just the getting stuck in this, hey, I'm fine. I'm a good person. Don't tell me what to do. I, you don't need to, I, I'm good. And you just get stuck 
And Jesus actually was more upset with the stuck people than he was with the sinners when he was on planet Earth. Like, he was talking to the religious people, the people that went to church all the time and read their Bibles all the time and prayed all the time. He's like, you guys are stuck. You're just stuck. And they're like, oh, they were real mad at Jesus. And so today we're going to talk about what it looks like when somebody gets stuck and how you get out of being stuck. And it's actually kind of an amazing thing. And, and, and I bring it up this time of year because what's 22 going to hold for you? Like you can have comfort or you can have growth, but you can't have both at the same time. Right? Craig Rochelle says that. Like, you can be comfortable in 2022 or you can grow in 2022. But probably both are not going to happen at the same time. Growth and comfort, like, don't happen at the same time. And so, uh, here's my question as we head into the passage. If you were stuck, just not accusing anybody, just so happened to ask the question, If possibly by some chance you were stuck, how would God get you unstuck? You ever think about that? Most of us don't. Most of us, I'm not stuck. Talking to me like some, I'm not sinner. I'm not saying you're a sinner. I'm just saying if you were stuck, how would God get you out of that? Let's see what God does. Acts chapter 18, starting verse 24. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus, and he was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures, and he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. So, just so you get a little kind of run in, you're like, oh, a Jew named Apollos. So, where we are at is we are in Ephesus, okay? So, we're going to throw a map up here. My sound guys have been working hard behind the scenes. So if you remember, we were following the Apostle Paul on one of his missionary journeys. And he was in Troas, which is kind of top right middle-ish of your screen there. He was in Troas, and he got a vision from God. Uh, And the vision was a guy in Macedonia that said, come help us. Well, Macedonia is this uh, province on the other side of the Aegean Sea. So that's Greece, modern-day Greece on the left, modern-day Turkey on the right. So he was like, well, I don't know where to go in Macedonia. Let's just find some Macedonians. So he went over to Philippi. We read about that. And then Thessalonica, then Berea. He almost got killed in all three places. So he got to sneak away on a boat, ended up down in Acacia, which is the other province, which is Athens and Corinth. We read last week when he was in Corinth, he was all by himself because he had to sneak away in the middle of the night on a boat. And so he met these two believers named Aquila and Priscilla. They let him crash in their spare bedroom and gave him a job. So he was a tent maker with them and he ended up staying in Corinth for a year and a half. Then he decides, hey, this is God's called me on. So he goes down to Centuria and sails across to Ephesus. And then when he gets to Ephesus, Aquila and Priscilla actually go with him and they stay in Ephesus. Okay, so he lives with Aquila and Priscilla for a year and a half. Now they all go to Ephesus and then Paul keeps going on on this kind of arrow that's going down out of your screen. But Aquila and Priscilla stay in Ephesus. So that's where we pick it up. 
we're in Ephesus. Like if this was a movie, like the, the black would be fading. You'd see like a busy town going on and they'd be like, Ephesus, 57 AD. And you'd be like, ooh. And then there would be this Apollos guy who steps into the scene, right? He's a Jew, a native of Alexandria, which is kind of the northern tip of Africa there. Uh, the most prominent, like culturally savvy, like coolest city in the world at the time is Alexandria. You don't think of that today, right? But at the time of the Roman Empire, this was like the cool city. Alexandria was huge, right? It had all these like cool things going for it, like culture and art and theater and uh, great thinkers, eloquent people, wisdom. And, and it was right on the Mediterranean Sea, which doesn't hurt either. So um, just to be clear here, it says, and this is going to be important later, it says Apollos is a believer, okay? So make sure you understand that to start with. And he taught accurately the things about Jesus, but he only knew the baptism of John. So what does that mean? Who's John? <laughs> John? What are we talking about? John? Who's like Bill? Like Sam? Like what? There's just names coming out of This is John the Baptist from your Bible. You may have, may not have heard of him. He wasn't a Baptist, like Baptist denomination. He was a Baptist in that he baptized a lot of people. So I call him John the Baptizer, just so we don't confuse it. But John was the cousin of Jesus, came just before Jesus. And John's message was a little bit different than the message of Jesus because Jesus hadn't come on the scene yet. And I don't mean to say different and then he preached a different gospel. But here's what I do mean. I'm going to read exactly from Matthew chapter 3 about John the Baptist so we get a clear picture of it. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized in the river, confessing their sins. Luke says this about John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but he who is coming is mightier than I. The strapples the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Jesus with a winnowing fork, burning chaff is not the picture we get on very many greeting cards. And I don't know why Hallmark has not picked up on that, but they haven't. So... Because this is going to matter, let's get the big bullet points from the message of John. I just read almost all the Bible has to say about the ministry of John the Baptist, right? He says, repent. What does repent mean? Turn around, right? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. First is change your mind. Change your mind about what you think about truth. And then once you get on board with what God thinks about truth, turn around, repent, do better. Stop doing the things you know you shouldn't be doing. Start doing the things you know you should be doing. Number two, confess. You have no chance of doing better if you're not honest about where you're really at. Seems pretty self-explanatory to me. Repent. 
I, I don't do anything wrong, so it'd be really hard for me to turn around. <laughs> That's where you need to start then. Maybe you should start with confession. Maybe you need to start with, like, hey, I'm going the wrong way on this thing. I'm doing something I shouldn't. I'm not doing something I should. I need to confess it. And the degree of confession is tied to the degree of repentance, which is tied to the degree of life change that you experience. Uh, the third thing that John the Baptist said, I'm not the one. There's one coming after me who is greater than I, and the, the, the guy you should be looking for is him, not me. Okay? And then the fourth thing that John the Baptist said, uh, the sign that will set this guy who's coming after me apart will be the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit. He says, I baptize with water. No big deal. Water is easy to find. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Really big deal, super hard to find the Holy Spirit. So he says, I'll baptize with water, he'll baptize with the Holy Spirit. And that's not an end of it. Here's a picture of Jesus we don't often get, like I said, in the American church or on our greeting cards or our coffee cups. His winnowing fork is in his hand to gather the wheat, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Okay, so here, I'll summarize it for you. The message of John that Apollos is now teaching, confess your sins, Repent and do better. The Savior Jesus is coming. And part of his work is put a match to the things that don't have the Holy Spirit in your life. Confess your sins. Repent and do better. Jesus is coming. And there's going to be a judgment. That's the, the, the synopsis of the message of John. It's quite a bit different than the gospel that... God, that uh, Paul has been preaching as we've been following him around here, right? God loves you. He died on the cross for your sins. He's given you grace freely. You can't work for it or earn it. So at this point in the story, we have Apollos preaching this highly educated, well-spoken, eloquent man preaching this message very convincingly. Confess, repent, Jesus is coming. You will give an answer for the life you've chosen. And let's look at what happens in verse 26. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Acacia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So Aquila and Priscilla are in Ephesus. We talked about that. We throw the map up again so they could see where it is. They're in Ephesus, which is going to be on the right-hand side of your screen. And when Apollo shows up, and if you remember from last week, Aquila and Priscilla, like I said, were living in Corinth with the Apostle Paul for a year and a half. So they had just been listening to the teaching of the Apostle Paul for a year and a half. They moved to Ephesus. Apollo shows up, preaches the gospel, and they go, hmm, he's missing some things. He's, we just listened to the Apostle Paul, who, by the way, wrote two-thirds of your New Testament, right? So kind of knows what he's talking about. And this Apollos guy, he's close, but he's not all the way there. And so they, they listen to this, and they pull Apollos aside, and they privately say, Hey, man, what you're saying is great, but you're missing some stuff. You're actually missing some really big pieces, like, this Holy Spirit thing is a big deal. Like, the confess, great, good idea. Repent, great, good idea. Jesus is coming, awesome, good idea. There's a judgment in your future, yes. Where's the Holy Spirit in that message? It's missing. 
That's a big piece. That's just a big piece. It's the biggest piece. Like, you didn't say anything about the Holy Spirit. So they pull him aside. And Apollos received what they said. So much so that when Apollos later desires to go back across the Aegean Sea to Corinth, to Acacia, they, they're like, hey, we just came from Corinth. We just lived there for a long time, almost two years. We know some people over here, over there. Let us write you a letter when you get there. They live on 2nd Street, on the third house on the left. Go give them this letter. Tell them we said you're a good guy and they should give you a place to stay. Right? I don't know if that's exactly how it went, but they write a letter back to the church in Corinth and said, hey, Apollos is a good dude. Take care of him. And he does, and he greatly helped the church there. Now, when you read this story, does anything stick out to you as really odd? Just, like, think about it. Like, in your world, in your life experience, in the way that people are, does anything about this story stick out to you? Is it weird to anybody that Aquila, Priscilla pull Apollos to the side and be like, hey, you've kind of been doing it wrong. And he accepts that? Picture this guy. He's well-educated, very eloquent, great speaker from a big city, Right? Big fancy Alexandria. It's like saying, like, I'm from New York or LA, like one of these cities that's like the cool place to be from. Right? Shows up in this little town, Ephesus. Nobody's ever heard of it. Not that nobody's ever heard of it, but it's not Alexandria. We're not talking New York here. Right? He's preaching the gospel. He's had a lot of success in doing the things that he's done. He spent a lot of time and energy thinking through the ways to speak to people about these things. He's been very successful at doing it. Do people who have a very strong opinion about something, who have been very successful at something, and have spent a lot of time invested in this certain thing, do they usually change their minds easily? I don't know. You guys just went through the holiday season. You, you have that one cousin or brother or sister or aunt or uncle that's super into politics. Right? They look at it all the time. That's all they get. Like, whoa, politics, right? It's just like, we need to talk about politics. And you went up to them uh, at Christmas dinner and you said, you know what? I'm concerned that your view on politics is wrong. And I just wanted to describe to you a more accurate way of viewing that situation. How many of that was really well received? <laughs> they were like, they were like, you're right. <laughs> Nobody listens to anybody else. Like the fact that Apollos is a successful, eloquent, highly educated, right? Add that piece to the puzzle. How many college professors do you know that you're like, hey, I think you got it wrong. And they're like, let me, let me listen to you. Now, Nobody, oh, that doesn't happen, right? It's mind-blowing to me that Apollos received this from Aquila and Priscilla. Absolutely mind-blowing. That just does not happen in our world. Like, even from normal people, right? Like, people are like, hmm, I think COVID's made up. What evidence do you have? I just have a feeling, right? Like, we, we haven't even, like, I'm not saying anything one way or the other, but we just make assumptions based on the way we feel all the time, and we can't be talked out of it, let alone somebody who's very successful, highly educated in a thing, 
right? They're like, oh, like nobody changes their mind. Nobody listens to people like this. How many of you have found that the people you are around that are really into something are open to correction on that exact thing? Like the weightlifter guy, really just looking for opinions on how to do better weightlifting, right? The people who are super concerned about their diets, right? They're really open to suggestions on, no, actually, gluten's great for you. How would that go, right? Like nobody, nobody who has spent time invested in a certain thing or in a certain area, and especially if they've experienced success in that area, highly educated in that area, is open to this. This is a stinking miracle. Like, it is an absolute miracle that Apollos would be humble enough to receive from this Aquila and Priscilla. It's an absolute miracle. Now, I took a class in school, actually, uh, the school I went to to prepare for ministry. And uh, one of the, the classes, the class I was in, was with the director of the Calvary Chapel Association at the time. Um, and so uh, he, we'd talk about kind of like what his duties were. And at the end of one of the class periods, we just kind of were talking. It was really unstructured kind of discussion uh, with these guys who were training to be pastors. And this guy who was in, in charge of the association, he said, you know, one of the one of the jobs he has is when, uh, when he gets a complaint or a concern uh, from some high-standing members of a church is to go and kind of investigate that. Like, hey, this church over here says uh, they're not sure that the pastor's using the money the right way, or this church over here is like a little concerned that maybe the pastor's not being held accountable, or maybe there's some sinful, abusive behavior going on. And, and so his job was to go and to kind of like, like feel around and be like, hey, you're at Calvary Chapel and like, you know, this is kind of sin or this is a gray area. I know this doesn't look good. And so he was kind of explaining this process of him kind of going into these churches and being like, hey, we got a complaint. Just want to ask a few questions and see if this is a real thing or if there's some sin going on. And, uh, and he said, by the time people call, there's usually always either gross sin or at least a very questionable gray area. Like, very. So he's like, by the time I go, I'm pretty much sure something fishy is going on. And, and so um, at some point in the, in the conversation, somebody piped up from behind me. I think his name was Doug. Doug goes, hey, how many times does that work? And, and the director was kind of like, what? What do you mean? Say, how many times do you go in and say, hey, pastor, here's what I found, and this is a big-time gray area, or this is clearly wrong, or this is definitely out of bounds, you're, you're doing this. How many times do you bring that to his attention, and, and, and he fixes his life and, and changes? <laughs> guy, guy kind of chuckles and says, no, nah, not as much as you think. And then he got real serious. And he goes, you know, now that I think about it, I don't know that it's ever worked like I'd hoped it would work. I, I don't know how many times he'd done this. Maybe it's 10, maybe it's 100, maybe it's 500. He was the director of 1,500 Calvary Chapel churches at the time. And him going to highly educated, successful people and saying, hey, you're doing it wrong, never worked. 
And these are pastors. These are people who are supposed to be like spiritually mature, led by the spirit, like sensitive to the conviction of God. Like these are like if these people can't do it, what hope do the rest of us have, right? Never was his answer. How often has that worked? Never. So for Apollos to receive this correction from Aquila and Priscilla is an absolute miracle. So I could go one of two ways here, okay? This is going to be like a, you remember those old stories that we read? Like, there was like pick your own adventure books, right? And you're like, you know, if you want to do this, go to page 12. If you want to do this, go to page 30. Everybody who's under like 35 is like, <laughs> books. Yeah, they had paper. You're welcome. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> they were a thing, right? I'm sorry I lost all the kids, but we're back, okay? So we're going to pick our own adventure this morning. I could go with Aquila and Priscilla model and do a teaching on how to give feedback, right? Aquila and Priscilla clearly knew how to give feedback. There's some things we could think through here about the method they used and how they approached him, and, and we could talk about how to give feedback. Or I could go with the Apollos direction, and we could finish our time on how to receive feedback. Okay, so let's. what are we going to talk about for the next... Dang, I only got 14 minutes. All right, well, this is going to be a two-parter. We could spend the 14 minutes we have left talking about how to give feedback or how to receive feedback. So let's take a poll. How many of you are right about everything? Raise your hand. Yep, I knew you were too. Okay, so just so we're clear, that's two of us that are right about everything. How many of you have blind spots. Dang it. All right, well, the guy who is perfect on everything also has a blind spot. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> so I have a message entitled, How to Get Everybody to See Just How Right You Are that I'm going to have to save for another day. Because apparently we all have blind spots. And the definition of a blind spot is that you can't see it. That's why it's called a blind spot. And we do this thing where we're like, yeah, I probably have blind spots, but I think if I had them, I'd know. That's the whole point of it being called a blind spot. You don't see it. Right? If you would have gone up to Apollos at the beginning of this chapter and been like, hey, where are you really off? Where are you missing just the biggest thing? And he's like, not religion. Not in my study of the scriptures. Not in my teaching of the word of God. I mean, that maybe in like the way I talk to my kids or maybe, you know, I'm not as nice to my wife as I should be. And like, you know, I could save a little more, you know, no more double caramel macchiatos on the way to church on Saturday. But like theology, I'm good. And actually that's why it was a blind spot because he couldn't see it. Aquila and Priscilla could see it. And they pulled him aside and they're like, hey, you're blind here. You're blind here. Now, there's another story, if we keep reading, that is really similar to this story. So let's look at verse 1 of chapter 19. Keep going in your Bible. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. So Apollos, our map can come back. Apollos heads over to Corinth, right, on the left, Right? Which is where Paul and Aquila and Priscilla just came from. 
Paul now comes back to Ephesus, which is where Apollos was just at. So they like swips, swip is not a word, but they flip spots, right? And look at verse 2. Paul comes upon these people and he said to them, verse 2, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. And he said, what the heck are you doing then? No, he didn't say that. He was much nicer than that. He said, into what then would you baptize? And they said, into John's baptism. Oh, okay, so now we see the connection between this story and the story before it. These guys were probably taught by Apollos, or at least the crew he was running with, right? Because they were only teaching the baptism of John. Remember John's teaching? Confess, repent, Jesus is coming, judgment is coming. So Paul says, What's the Holy Spirit been doing in your hearts? And they say, Holy Spirit? What are you talking about? You you don't know about the Holy Spirit? Mm, No. It's probably one of those things where somebody says, like, you don't know about this? You want to say yes just because you want to look like an idiot? Oh, yeah, I knew that. Holy Spirit. Love that guy. Darren. He's cool. (laughs) No, we don't know. They're honest. We don't know what the Holy Spirit is. We missed a piece. Not just a piece, the biggest piece. The biggest piece. Remember what John's message was? Jesus is coming with a winnowing fork that is in his hand. Okay? So, like, a winnowing fork is this picture is, like, back in the day when you would thresh wheat. You would cut down the wheat, and then you take the wheat uh, to a threshing floor, and you would kind of stomp on it. It would break the weedy part, the leafy part, kind of the the crusty part off the outside of the wheat. And uh, if you're wondering what that is, you know when you open a peanut shell, there's the peanut, and then there's that like papery, flaky stuff that never tastes good and gets stuck to your tongue or the front of your teeth and you can't get it off? You know what I'm talking about? That papery peanut stuff? That's kind of the consistency of the stuff we're talking about. It's like this papery stuff that was on the outside of the wheat, and it was called chaff, right? It's not good for anything. It's worthless. It doesn't, it doesn't help us at all. And so what would happen was they would break that off, and they would throw the wheat up in the air, and when the wind would blow, it would blow that papery stuff away, and the wheat would fall back down. And that's how they would separate the wheat from the chaff. And so when he's talking about lighting stuff on fire, he's talking about chaff. Okay, now, Bible college students, like, this is like a cool slang word, Bible college. In Bible college, all the kids learn about this, and it's like their new favorite thing, and they just start calling everything chaff. So if you end up talking to a Bible college student, he's like, chaff, chaff, chaff. Roll your eyes, because he's super immature. But what he's doing is, he's calling all these things of the world worthless. Why are they worthless? Because they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. And here's what's crazy. It's completely possible to think you are a believer, to intend to follow Jesus. These guys are sincere. They're wholly committed. It's not that they're like half in, half out, one foot. They're not on the fence. They're in. But they don't have the Holy Spirit. And whatever you do not do with the Holy Spirit it's, che- it's worthless. It's the flaky stuff on the outside of a peanut. It, it doesn't accomplish anything. And look at what happens, verse 4. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who is to come after him, that is Jesus. 
on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Then about 12 men in all, and he entered the synagogue, and for three months he spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading to them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them. And he took disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. And they continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Please, please, please see this. We have two stories here in a row where believers are trying to follow Jesus and are missing the biggest piece of the whole thing, which is the Holy Spirit. We have two stories in a row where believers have the biggest blind spot imaginable and have no idea. Highly educated, highly devoted, probably tithe, read their Bibles, pray a ton, and are missing the biggest piece. We have two stories here where the method that God uses to correct these people is by bringing other believers into their life to give them feedback and correction. I'm running out of time here. I'm going to finish this up. But if God wanted to give you a message, how would he give it to you? He'd tell me. Well, seems like he didn't tell Apollos. Apollos was well-educated, highly trained in the scriptures, and God brought other people alongside Apollos to straighten him out and let him see his blind spots. Didn't tell these 12 believers. These 12 believers are trying to do what God calls them to do. The gospel travels along relational lines. It's our second core value as a church. We choose relationships. Why? Because it sounds cool in a marketing campaign. No, because it's in the Bible. Because this is what the Bible says God uses to correct people, other people. It would be so much easier, Jared, if he just told me so I don't have to actually talk about my life with other people. Yeah, it would be easier. It's just not how God works. So you can live in a made-up world where you could do your own thing. You don't have any blind spots, and you never meet with people with the intention of them pointing out your blind spots. But it's not real because the way God speaks to people is through other believers. Over and over and over in the scripture. So here's where I'm going to finish. If this is how we see and can expect God to speak to us, if this is how we see God getting people unstuck or corrected, is by bringing other believers into your life to point out your blind spots. When do you plan on doing that? Do, do you, yeah, uh, too long of an awkward pause, right? You guys are like, I got to say something. <laughs> we got some people in here that work in the financial world. When people are doing their budget and they don't plan on saving, how much do they actually end up saving? Never happens, right? I'll just save whatever I left, have left over. I've never had any left over. And if you do, there's a tithe box in the back. No, right? Like, if you don't plan on saving, you won't. 
If you don't plan, that's why New Year's resolutions exist. Right? Because we went through 2021 not doing the things we know we should have done or stopped doing the things we know we should stop doing. And we're like, I need to plan. <laughs> because we know not planning doesn't work. And so we see in the scriptures that the way God points out our blind spots is very often through other believers. And I don't know if you are aware of this, but on Sunday mornings, the Holy Spirit can definitely convict you of something, but it's not the same as somebody looking you eye to eye and pulling you aside and being like, hey, I love you and I love Jesus. And I'm just saying there's a more accurate way you could be doing this. Right? So it's not just Sunday mornings. We do it here in small groups. You could do it in different ways. You can have intentional, godly friendships. You can have mentors. You can be accountability partners. I don't care what you call it. I just wonder, when are you planning on it happening? Because I tell you when most people plan on it happening. When I get caught or when I ruin my life. That's it. That's when most people, when I get caught, then I'll be open to feedback. When I ruin my life, then I'll be open to feedback. That's all our plan, right? And we get up here, and we're like, hey, we're starting another small group quarter. It's like, I'm too busy. Translation, if I get caught or if I ruin my life, I'll let you know. Until then, I'll just act like I don't have any blind spots. Well, my wife, she'll tell me where I have blind spots. You know, that's, that's a great start, okay? It is a great start. M most marriages, like one or mostly both, are not open to their spouse pointing out their blind spots. Like, don't tell me. You got your own blind spots, right? And so they get into the big fight. So that is a great start. I'm not diminishing that at all. But on the next level, the, the, the interesting thing about a married couple is you both have some of the same blind spots, too. Right? You just went through the holiday season, right? And next to Uncle Crazy Politic was, like, in-laws that never watched their kids. Or the next to them was the in-laws who were mean to mom. Or this couple over here makes stupid financial decisions all the time. Or this couple, right? You have family members that you know of, and they're married, and they have the same blind spot. Right? Everybody knows it. Like, oh, yeah, that couple, I mean, they're great other than this thing, right? And this couple over here, like Bill and Jane, man, they're just, I can't believe they do that, right? Or Susie and Bill, like, I mean, they're sweet, but, like, never are they on time. They are the flakiest people. I've never had people cancel on me so many times, right? So if you're never open to feedback from your spouse, or you're never with your spouse, open to feedback from others, couples, if you never plan on that, good luck. Good luck. I saw a lot of hands up earlier that you know you have blind spots. Maybe 2022 is the time that you pray to the Lord and say, Lord, how do you want to address those blind spots? I'm not saying that's the only answer, but the, what, the answer that we have developed as a church that we've come up to that fits in the way Americans live their life and stuff like that is small groups. And then I got seven pages of notes I didn't get to, right? I started with 10 pages of notes today. I usually have seven. I was like, I'm not going to make it. I only made it through three. 
And the three best points in my message are all next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, your word. And, um, and maybe that's where you want to leave us, Lord. Do we plan on addressing our blind spots or do we not? Do we really want to get unstuck or do we want to stay stuck? Do we want to hear from you or would we rather just be comfortable? I don't know what you're doing in heart, Lord. Um, I don't know where you're leading every person in here, but the great news is you do. So I pray that you would do with your word uh, what you promised to do, um, which is to give light to our path, to direct our steps, uh, to give us clear direction for life. Lord, if, if we're a people who acknowledges our blind spots but have no plans on actually addressing them, I pray that we would be convicted on that. I pray that we would look into our lives and our schedules and our, our investment of time and, and, and think through, is this what you're calling me to do or not? Speak to your people right now, Lord. Uh, we just read about people who are not open to the Holy Spirit. Please don't let that be us. In fact, um, as Jake's playing right now, I'm going to give you 30 seconds, maybe a minute. Uh, I'm going to be quiet. And it's just you and God. You pray to him. You speak to God. You ask him if maybe you've been missing the Holy Spirit. You've just been trying to be a good person, not depending on him. Lord, like we said at the beginning, we are here because we believe that you are not finished yet. Continue your work in us, Lord. Don't leave us like you found us, Lord. Help us grow. If we're stuck, get us unstuck, Lord. If we're straying, bring us back. If we're idle this morning, Lord, let us be warned. If we're disheartened, Lord, let us be encouraged. Lord, if we're weak this morning, help us. May we be reminded of your goodness this morning. May it change our perspectives. We ask you in your name. Amen.